Today's podcast has not been endorsed by the Vatican. that tries to find the one evil, malevolent spirit amongst a whole horde of just abused, mentally ill people. It's going to be a fun one this week, guys. I'm Paul Salt. I'm the scary ghost. Oh no, there's a scary ghost doing the podcast with me today. Fuck. It's going to be tough. Oh shit, that's going to be really distracting throughout my recording process to have a scary ghost. Well, you're a pro now, so. That's true. I should really be used to it. I'm Paul Um, Goodman. Yes, you are behave you um and today we are going to be discussing the devil inside in that scariest of months january so the devil inside is a film by a guy whose name i didn't bother to fucking look up um he's bad he recently directed the boy which was also bad he he's bad don't just don't um and it's a film about um a young woman's attempts to justify the murderous actions of her mother as demonic possession uh, the film was released in January 2012 to critical maulings um, and general dissatisfaction. Uh, William Thomas of Empire Magazine said, Some found footage should really just stay lost. Genius. Genius. To sit and stare up at the stars and wonder <laughs> what it would be like. It's a dream of working for Empire Magazine. Joe Newmeyer of the New York Daily News said, It stumbles along to what may arguably be the most abrupt, nonsensical ending since Louis Brunel stopped slicing cow's eyes for the sake of surrealism. That sounds deep because he mentioned Louis Brunel, but it's actually meaningless. Uh, Meanwhile, public reactions were also pretty uh, subdued, I think it's fair to say. Uh, The film opened very large on its opening weekend, making about ten times its... um, a hundred times its original budget, I should say. um, Before... folding the next weekend and disappearing from the top 10 very soon after uh kev stock over at amazon said damn it i hate it when this happens i was lured into this by the trailer and sat expecting a white knuckle ride the only ride i got was the bus home and at ten forty-five from th- from the city it was more frightening than what i just watched <laughs> oh he's better than us <laughs> so much better than us. Oh, damn. Kev Stock. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> Kevin Murray, meanwhile, gave it five stars, saying, cheap for Blu-ray, amazing. <laughs> Paul, you ghastly ghoul. Hello. Uh, what was the one thing about this that made it better than the bus ride home? The main lady, um, she had a charming thinking face. Now, the main lady, do you mean the daughter? The protagonist. The protagonist. Well, that's arguable, but... <laughs> Okay, um, the main, the female lead. Yes, Isabella, yeah. played by Fernanda Andrade. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> from uh, Poland. <laughs> yeah, she has. She had a wonderful thinking face. There were several scenes in the film where she'd be walking across a piazza, maybe, or down oh, yeah. a whatever the Italian word for small street is. Yep. And uh, she Strada? She just... Small strada. Strada, a, a tiny strada. Stradaret. A charming stradaret. And uh, she just... Every now and again, just look just look to the left of the camera and go, hmm, as yeah. if to say, hmm, it's hot. <laughs> I'm very hot here. Very expensive here in Rome. Um, <laughs> this is not what the brochure said. Um, but it was a very charming face. 
Sure. And I was, at least for the first half of the film, um, that was what was getting me through. I liked her in this. Um, yeah. I thought she was fairly natural. Yeah. Um, I believed in her situation and mm. the issues she was facing. Um, unfortunately, somewhere around the halfway mark, um, the unseen cameraman becomes the main character, which is rare for a film in which for a cam for the cameraman to suddenly take over the protagonist duties from the lead. Um, yeah. I think Quentin Tarantino's done it a few times. Uh, ben Affleck starts his movies like that. Oh, okay. He's never meant to be in them. No. It's just halfway through filming processes. He just steps out and says, no, you're doing it wrong here. <laughs> I'm Batman. Argo was weird. Yeah, that was, that was unfortunate. Mm. Um, there's a whole thing about, um, about bad horror films. Um, the, the the devil inside really did uh, it really kept up with aplomb my issue i have a very complicated relationship with horror films i don't see that many of them right i know i accept that there are good horror films just like there's good in every genre oh yeah um the best of every genre it gets it just digs into your soul sure. and, it, and it and it affects the parts of it that it's supposed to mm. um when good good horror has, has done that it it becomes a really unpleasant experience for me and uh <laughs> but i i enjoy it at the same sure. time um, and I come out feeling like I've I've learned something about myself, maybe. Um, <laughs> but when there's bad horror, it tends to like translate as uh, a film with awful, unsympathetic characters. Yes, with despicable motives. Yes, that's the thing. Is um, bad horror can be really hateful. Yes. Um, it's particularly. It depends on the genre. When we talk about horror, we're talking about so many different things. Really, the only thing that lumps them all together is the urge to scare you, I guess, or unsettle you, or have some sort of negative impact on you. But yeah. bad films such as Hostel and its sequels, yeah. um, the worst Saw movie sequels, mm. they can be really just fucking hateful. It's any film where the, uh, the, the the premise is a group of people are dying one by one. Yeah. And if it's bad horror, mm. they're just awful people. So when, when they're being, you know, they're being stabbed and cut up and put into a meat pie. Yeah. It's like, good, good, I'm glad, <laughs> you're awful people. Yeah, and that's really, I think, where a lot of misconceptions for horror come from. Yeah. Roger Ebert once said of uh, one of the Friday the 13th sequels that it's a movie about people being stuck. You come to this in order to watch people get stuck. And he missed the point, because the point of a good slasher film, those 80s and you know earlier 70s mm. slasher films, the point of watching these films was to watch yourself get stuck. That was the point, is you're meant to relate to these kids. They're not meant to be annoying or bad, and you're not meant to wish them harm. And now they're off in a scary place, walking on their own. Could mm. be you. Um, horror ensues. Yeah. But yeah, bad horror doesn't get that. Yeah. And it does just make cannon fodder for the killer. And it's unpleasant. Yeah, the issue with any bad film is that the characters aren't believable, or you yeah. don't sympathise, and you don't care what happens to them. Mm. With horror, it just so happens that that's the the main thrust of the film is, yes. is what happens to these people. Yeah. Um, are they going to die or not? Uh, speaking of which, The Devil yes. Inside. So, The Devil Inside, what were you meant to care about? I don't know. Okay. I I could maybe answer that if I did care about something, <laughs> but but I genuinely didn't. Right. Um, I'm, I, I, I think you're supposed to care about Isabella, the main, the main Our character. Our main character. Yeah. Um... I, I, there are other characters in in this. Uh, we have a whole uh, 
uh, like gauntlet of priests. These are the experts who come along to talk about the real things and they're shot in documentary style and it's, oh yes, I heard stories about a double exorcism back in 83, you know, blah blah blah. And also to raise some of the theological concerns that mm. the film kind of has. Yes. Kind of? Well, it, t- it touches on it, doesn't it? It, they, it, they, it they, mentions they, them. <laughs> but yeah, they discuss the differences between mental illness and possession. Yep. Which is, is a recurring theme throughout the, the film. And sure. Which is an, very interesting in itself, when done well. Here, those concerns are basically pushed out of the way because it's le- it's never ambiguous as to whether or not the main character is actually possessed by the devil. Yeah. Um, she just is. And yeah. all the people claiming mental health are just there to get in the way of the priests doing their actual work. Yeah, they're a pesky plot device. Yeah, sure. In terms of investment in the plot, yes, we're meant to care about Isabella and her relationship with her mother. We don't get any of it. (laughs) We never see them together. There's a single picture she has of her as a baby and the mother and her father, and it seems like happy families. But Mm. that is all we get of their relationship. Mm. Um, And it's not quite enough to make us care. No, the one one bit that I quite took a shine to early on... um, Amid all the all the exposition, which uh, again we'll get onto because oh, we're, we're talking about um, found footage, documentary style horror Yay. films. Um, Perfect excuse to just have your characters say what they mean to the camera. Oh, <laughs> um, and uh, but uh, earlier on when they were when she was talking to camera about her relationship with her mother. Um... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I just thought of uh, just just saying mother in a Boston accent. <laughs> how funny it is mother 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 anyway mother anyway back to the <clears throat> back to the podcast yeah um mother <laughs> the young girl playing child isabella uh-huh. was really natural and i started to wonder whether or not that was actual home video footage or whether that had been filmed yeah. Um, do, do you know the bits that I'm talking no, about? No, I don't remember this oh, at all. Hence they, my long bit about yeah. how we don't get any of the mother and... Well, because they, they interspersed it with um, home video footage of, right. of, of the, the, cam- you know, the camera trained on Isabella as a right. four-year-old, five-year-old girl. Okay. And the mother's occasionally saying things like, um, look to the camera and, or smile at uh, the camera. okay. And fuck you, Vicar! And, <laughs> oh, no, that's a different film. And, uh, but the, the, the young girl is very um, natural. In her, yeah, she in fact has so much natural, just so much ease in front of the camera that I wondered whether or not it was genuine. Yeah, I mean home video footage. because that never happens again for the rest of the film, which implies that it is not the same director. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. Yeah, so there's that. Yeah, there's uh, the daughter's relationship with her mother mm-hmm. and whether or not she's going to be able to get her mother back. Mm. Now, in addition to that, we have a little cadre of uh, padres. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Dick. There are three other characters joining her on this adventure. Yeah. One is the cameraman, who we belatedly discover is named Michael. It yes. turns out, um, yeah, our good friend Michael, our good friend Michael, who's just an annoying camera guy, the annoying guy with a camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so much more than that, guys. You just need to know Michael. You just need to get to know him. You just need to really get behind what Michael's all about. Oh, he loves it. He's a it. big community fan, <laughs> and he really, really loved Breaking Bad. Yeah, maybe went on a bit, a bit long. Says yeah. Michael, but yeah, but the ending, the ending, um, it didn't pull any punches, really, did no, it? it? I mean, it was a bit obvious at times, yeah, but, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it should have ended with them all just driving off a bridge. Yeah, it was no lost, but um, oh yeah, well, yeah, nothing is not even lost. So we've got him; he's there apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got two priests, yes, whose names are David 
and British guy. British Gordon, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. British Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who is uh, hilarious. Mm-hmm. Listen to me, I'm a priest. Um, never intentionally so. Yeah. And this might just be our thing, and if you're watching this in the States, maybe every word he said carried a Laurence Olivier-style authority. Yeah. A wonderful sort of crisp British fair playedness to it. Mm. Uh, to us, it was just fucking hilarious. The money transference, Michael! As he delivered all of these very portentous lines about the devil and possession. An exasperated... Exasperated like, British man who yeah. just wants a cup of tea. <laughs> Um, and is unfortunately uh, besotted by the devil. Yeah, and too busy drinking beer and smoking cigarettes. Like a bad boy priest. Yeah, he's a bad boy, cool British lame priest. Yeah, he um, looks like Joseph Gordon Levitt. He does. David, meanwhile, is um, oh, he just wants to be a priest. He loves it. He loves yeah. being a priest. David. David loves being a priest. Yeah. Um, he's a career priest. He's a career priest. Mm-hmm. A typical priest climber. Yeah. Just working his way up to God. Just um, sucking cock and. Oh wait, my God. That's a. <laughs> That's not where it was going. That, that, that doesn't that doesn't translate too well to the to the the priesting world, does it? Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> Damn. Just greasing the pole. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. David wants to be. He just wants to be a priest. He loves being a priest. Mm. Um. And this whole getting involved in backdoor exorcisms, Lark, um, is really getting in the way of that and potentially threatening his uh, livelihood. Mm. Forget about the church, David. Why does it always come down to that? So why is he doing it? I would say David, in addition to Isabella, is one of the characters I liked. Yeah. Cared about. He, he wasn't a bad performance, yeah. either. He was pretty good. He wasn't out, uh, outright absurd, hmm. and gets points for that. Yeah, I'm not sure if if he cared so much about his career as a priest, why he was doing back alley exorcisms. Oh, he wanted to help people, Paul, and he just wanted to not get tied up in the bureaucracy that surrounds exorcisms in the priesthood. That we all know about. Of course, so... Yeah. Uh, we're done with the plot of this movie. That's it, yeah. guys. You've heard it. Yeah. <laughs> Those four guys then go to multiple exorcisms whilst characters writhe about and wriggle and scream. And steal exorcist lines. And steal lines from the exorcist without the context that makes them creepy. And then after about an hour and 20 minutes, the... Uh, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> after an hour and 12 minutes, the movie ends. <laughs> uh, that is the plot. So, yeah. bureaucracy around exorcisms. <laughs> Why doesn't the church help yeah. these people? You see, that's, that's, that's just it. The church isn't in the business of healing people. The bureaucracy won't allow it. Their hands are tied. In 1999, the church changed the exorcism rights for the first time in almost 400 years. Now a priest has to be absolutely certain that there's an evil presence in order to even attempt an exorcism. Yeah, and that's a near impossible task because a lot of the time, um, it takes an exorcism for a demon to reveal itself. Because really... Do you need that many reasons to have an exorcism? I mean, if the girl, and it's always a girl, Mm. if she talks weird or has like a bendy body in a weird way or just in any way shows any sort of physical or mental or characteristic trait that isn't completely in keeping with the norm, Mm. shouldn't you exorcise her? (laughs) Give it a go. Also, she gets a period. That's probably... That's probably yeah. the devil. Um, yeah. Didn't um, one of them have? She had stigmata as well. I saw imprints on the on, on the palms. Oh well. When I wasn't staring at the vagina covered in blood. Yes, one of the exorcisms involves a young girl who is clearly double jointed, the actress, uh, because she bends it's her. Disgusting. Uh, yeah, it's disgusting and revolting, and I, she should be ashamed of herself. And I hope that Christ can make her better, and can fix her. Um, but while she is being exorcised, she is also. Um, <sighs> having a period on <laughs> yeah she's got uh, a whole period on and she, uh, at one point whilst thrusting towards the camera yeah. some of her period blood gets on the camera yeah 
Now, this might sound like something from one of the uh, American Pie sequels. Mm. This is the only moment like that in the film. The only moment of gross-out shock, I think. There's no... Yeah. And with, men- with mental patients. I, I mean, I kind you of... could have, like, shit being thrown about. Yeah. Or, or number of bodily fluids is all getting yeah. up in your grill. But I'm kind of impressed that they went with that. And and I'd like to think that it wasn't a gross out. I'd like to think that it was just a... It was it was a brave move from the from the director. Because I, I think... He's a visionary. Well, I, I, you know, with all the... There's a fair amount of, like, period shaming. You know, it's supposed to be this disgusting ah, yeah. thing. And our oh, women should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, they should be locked in the basement and have priests brought in in order to shout <laughs> at them until they stop having it. Yeah. That's sec- sort of attitude. Second, I smell blood in the house. It's down to the basement with you, woman. <laughs> um, and, and it's, you know, it's... It's a natural thing, yeah, and it shouldn't be a disgusting thing. No, so no, when they all... when I walked into this this I, yes when I walked into this scene, um, they, they said get out, you're not in this one. Um, <laughs> and when when we were shown this scene of this girl who was uh, who'd been moved down to the basement um, because her exorcism her possession was super bad, so they had to move her down to the basement, the creepy basement where the lights didn't work properly. Yeah, she um, was in her bedroom. Yeah. She began showing signs of possession, which yeah. we are to interpret are blood coming from the vagina and also her moving her arms around in a creepy way and contorting herself and screaming, you know, which obviously means demon. So yeah. they move her from her bedroom down into their inexplicably large, exposed brickwork, no lighting whatsoever, yeah. creepy ass basement. And when asked slash why tool cupboard slash tool cupboard full of drills, and what do they use this space for when they're not keeping their creepy daughter in there? It's a huge room yeah. under their house. Well, every Italian house has that, such a you know such every, a prevalence of possessions. Every Italian Romanian house has that because a lot of this was filmed in according apparently a lot of this was filmed in Romania, and I'm guessing okay. because Romania is where I associate creepy basements with, yeah. so I'm guessing that was the Romanian bit. Yeah, so they're they're down in this basement yeah. and um. They're, they're they're doing the exorcism, you know, with all the the the, the flair and style that this film has put, um, displayed <laughs> until now, and and then you just see this very very brief shot of a of her sort of crotch area, that um, brief saturated. The first one was okay. the first one was blink and you miss it, and I went, oh fuck, are they just gonna? Is that it? Are they gonna not show that again? What? That's a cool detail, and I thought, right. oh, that's I wasn't expecting to see that, <laughs> and the mark of of good horror, like a comedy is uh surprise surprise yeah and i thought oh that's that was interesting that was good and then and then half a second to a second later mm. it was another shot uh, lingered on it a bit more and then a couple more shots that yeah i think that's what i noticed yeah it. <laughs> it culminated with her thrusting and like sloshing period blood <laughs> on the cat onto the the ceiling camera sloshing well. and 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 that's when it became a cheap gross out move and that was right. that was unfortunate yeah. i think but um, for me it was just all about how horror movies unfortunately I, I we should point out sorry goodman mentioned earlier that he's um somewhat familiar with horror movies but not the biggest fan i am the biggest fan of horror movies i really love them um often a horror movie will appear in my top 10 of any given year uh this year one of my favorite films was one of our favorite films mm. was the wailing a wonderful South Korean horror film. And if you get a chance to watch it, please do. Um, but I've always felt a sort of kinship with fellow horror movie fans and a sense of community around it. And I've always really loved the genre. And um, unfortunately, there are various things that haunt the horror, haunt the horror genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which is accusations that it's all about sadism. 
It's all about wishing to see harm come to others, schadenfreude. And another thing that haunts the horror genre is um, stigmatizing disabled people and other people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, killers will often have sort of disfigured faces or some sort of mental health issue. Um, and really, it just stems from... The most effective horror stems from real-world anxieties. And we're all anxious about mental health. We don't want our own mental health to be compromised. We don't want mm. that of other people, of our friends and families. Um, it is frightening. And so certain horror films exploit that. Um, but mm. on... Exploit's the right word, I think. Yeah, because although maybe it is tapping into our own fears of that kind of difference. There was another film recently called The Taking of Deborah Logan, which is about how scary people with Alzheimer's is. Ah. Mm. <laughs> is and ah. Um, it's unfortunate because what it also does is completely stigmatizes those mental illnesses and just reaffirms the idea that oh, people with psychological differences deserve in institutions where they can mm. be kept safe and where they won't murder everyone, as they yeah. definitely will. And the thing is, m- mental illness is scary. Mental yeah. illness is terrifying. Sure. And I don't mean in a in a, a good for horror film uh, kind of way, <laughs> but it's uh, you know it, it haunts my waking hours. The, the the thought that maybe one day I will have Alzheimer's or or mm. or, or um or um dementia or develop schizophrenia or some you know something. Yeah. Um, it's it's a it's a truly terrifying aspect of the human condition. Sure, and confronting it is 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 pretty. Is, it can be pretty devastating. Yeah. Um. And and there are films that that tackle that really very well. Yeah. Really well. Um. Take Shelter is a really good example oh, yeah. of that. Take, Take Shelter is one of the finest films. Um. Yeah. Of the last five I years. I think it was my favorite film of 2011. Yeah. It's 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 excellent. Yeah. And the fear. Um. In Michael Shannon's character, in that of, mm. that he he is losing his mind and he's not. Um. He's not having premonitions of some apocalyptic storm. Yeah, he's just it's frightening. reality. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really scary and it doesn't exploit it. He's a sympathetic yeah. character. He's not a, he's mm. not a cause for concern. He he is in the community in that film but not for audiences. No. Whereas where the, when you get to the more exploitative stuff, it is oh god, don't go in, you know, into the mental yeah. hospital. And it's about the solution too because as a disability rights worker, we would I would say that um mental illness is best um addressed by giving the right level of support and care to the person yeah. in order to ensure that they can live their life. It's not mm-hmm. institutionalization and it's not exorcism. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. we should point out real world exorcisms happen now and then. Mm. I don't know if anyone's old enough to remember that, um, channel four once hosted a live exorcism, uh, Christian guru Murphy, uh, hosted noted exorcist, noted exorcist, Christian <laughs> guru Murphy hosted. Um, and there was a man who said that he regularly got exercised, and um, I don't know what was expected for this, because I remember the show opened with, if you are bothered or concerned about any of the issues in this program, please call this number. Hmm. And it was the most dull thing you've ever seen in your fucking life. It was the <laughs> By guy... bothered, they mean interested. <laughs> if you're interested in any way, please, <laughs> please let us reach know. out. Who did we make this for? <laughs> Krishna Guru Murphy. <laughs> you get, the guy comes out and he's like, um, okay, um, well, uh, is the devil within you right now? Oh yes, yes, yes it is. Um, I I entice I I in, uh, invoke you to leave this person. Oh okay okay. Right. Are, you, are you feeling better? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Well. Stunning. Yeah, it was fucking. It was thrilling. I stayed up to like midnight on a work on a school night to watch that shit. So this guy has exorcisms like um like- say Princess Diana would have a uh, colonic irrigation what? just monthly. <laughs> Princess Diana, I'm pretty sure I should confirm this. 
but um, she regularly had colonic irrigation. Why was that the first thing in your head, you fucking psychopath? Well, it just seems like he's not, he's not, um, it's just a routine thing. There's no. <laughs> Look, I'm a progressive ma- man, all right? I'm a progressive guy. Yes. In a scary world. Yes, I, uh, sorry, you're right. I, Don't um, shame me. I, I'm sorry for shaming you. You're right. He got exorcisms very much like the late Lady Diana, Princess of Wales, used to get colonic irrigations. Yes. Routinely. Routinely is the short way of saying that. The short, non horrifying well, way of saying that is he routinely got exorcisms like you would take a car in for an MOT. Um, well, this is a horror yeah. special, Paul. So. <laughs> There's nothing scarier than the Princess of Wales getting a colonic irrigation. Like, exorcisms are pretty out there yeah. thing and, you know, possession and that. But in my experience, mm. when a horror really works for me, yeah. when it horrifies me ah. is when it could actually happen i don't believe in possession or no. exorcism or any of that we should point out we're both atheists and we're both not spiritual people yeah. there's some pretty hinky shit in um physics yeah <laughs> stuff that we can't quite explain but neither of us believe in the survival of the human personality after death yeah i'm quite aloof is that spiritual yeah okay cool <laughs> uh yeah. just in general you're <laughs> Yeah, not not particularly spiritual. I um, didn't like The Alchemist. And it doesn't have to be... I don't have to believe that mm. a possession could happen. But if you do a film in such a way that I, f- I feel like this is happening in the real world. Sure. Uh, like The Exorcist, yeah. for example. Which is sure. why it's you know the greatest exorcism film of... Of all time, of all sure. time, and one of the greatest horror films of yeah. all time. Um, it's, it's stuff that's believable, that, mm. that, that, that could happen. And... You know, I guess they tried to to get there with that in this film by establishing uh, like a, a, a like regulations on exorcisms. The Vatican's sure. regulated exorcism policies yeah. and, and things like that. So there was a mythos, and it was there was a history there that we're supposed to buy into. Right. Um, but it it didn't work, and one of the reasons is because they took th- something like mental illness, which is a very a very real, very um, fear. Yeah. For a lot of people, mm. but then it was just a cheap yeah. like, obstacle in 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 a way yeah. of exercising these these poor people. Just a thing to gloss over, like okay, we want to make a movie about exorcism. We want to make a movie in which someone gets tied up and shouted at a lot, because yeah. <laughs> that's how the exorcisms play out in this. Um, yeah. Uh, in order to do that, we have to address modern concerns about spirituality because you can't just make this movie anymore because it's not even in the seventies. I mean. In The Exorcist, they have to go through every other means. Mm. And it's worth pointing out that um, the author of uh, The Exorcist, William Peter Blatty, was a Christian. William Friedkin was not a spiritual person, but he said that the reason the film works is because he made it as a believer. Mm. And um, I happen to believe that there's a pretty good um, secular interpretation of The Exorcist available in which um the exorcism is kind of like a placebo something that mm. needed to happen from the character's point of view so that she could rectify the child abuse she had experienced but mm. hey that's a whole other video the exorcist works because you care about the characters yeah well there are there are certain things which justify suspending belief sure. i think if, if if you can justify that then you believe you buy into everything that's happening yeah basically the uh justification for suspending belief in this film was science can't explain everything yeah and and any scientist would turn around and go, no, but it's not justification for being, for making up, filling in the gaps of whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. They said it about three times, I think, throughout the film. Mm. And every single time I heard it, it just grated that little bit more. <laughs> and I thought, that's not good enough. You need 
evidence for what the bit that you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It, yeah, again, this is sounding awfully anti-religious. I'm not... Uh, we're not. We're not anti-religious <laughs> anyway. I'm not. I don't know about this fucking guy who's burning crosses over there. <laughs> don't um, mind me. We're not, you know, anti no. any one particular religion. And this one's obviously quite Catholic. It's set in the Vatican yeah. with uh, priests and stuff like that. And some of them made the more interesting characters. Yeah, there was an Italian Shia LaBeouf in the film. Oh who, yes, he was great. Who was who was arguing um, quite vociferously about yeah, uh, you know the the distinction between mental illness and um, and um, possession. Yeah, and um, it was thoughtful of them to have done that to point out, hey, not all Catholics believe in the devil incarnate yeah. on Earth. A lot of yeah. um, Catholic people are happy to interpret him as a symbol yeah. of uh, the things that tempt man towards sin and away from God. Yeah, so yeah, so, so the issue isn't with the Christian faith, it's with the the um the justification that this film provided for believing in its premise. Yes. Um I want to talk about one of the things that makes a good ass horror film. Yes. And that is aside from interest in the characters, which we don't have here. Aside from Don't worry guys, we're going to get to the one good thing about this soon. I gave you <laughs> one got, good thing. Yes, we've got a few more as well. Yeah. And that Catholic thing was quite a good thing. So we'll we'll get back to this. Yeah. But first of all, a much bigger problem it has. Um, yay. Yay. Engagement with the supernatural element. That needs to be exciting and cool. Because like you say, sometimes the, uh, it's better when the horror is believable. Most of my favourite horror films involve some form of supernatural goings-ons. The Shining, The Exorcist, uh, recent excellent films such as It Follows, John Babadook, Wick. The John Wick, Oculus, um, The Witch, all of which are kind of predicated on the idea that supernatural things exist. The Wailing. The Wailing, absolutely. Uh, The the idea that there are demons, Mm. uh, very specifically Korean demons, Mm. uh, with their own mythology and rules. You know, you have to suspend your disbelief and say, okay, they exist Mm. in this world, and that that is going to scare me, even though I know it can't come after me in this Mm -hmm. world. They almost almost got to a point where there was tension in a scene, and then right. it would just be another half an hour of of screaming of, and of, of people talking and saying things okay. in an exasperated English voice. Or yeah, yeah, this, the screaming. Fine, at least somebody was doing something. Um, <laughs> but there was no no relationship between the mother and daughter. Again, we were told about it. Yeah. Um, and because this is a found footage film, it's just perfectly fine to to interview the characters and have them go. Yes, I knew my mother did this, and I love my mother. Yeah, it's a great excuse yeah. to just say character motivations yeah. out loud. Yeah, which the first ten minutes of the film yeah. was exposition delivered to the camera. Yeah. It's the worst kind of voiceover. <laughs> um, yeah, there have been actually some pr- pretty good recent found footage films that have mm-hmm. done that better. Um, a film that actually, got, I think, got a critical mauling, but I liked a lot, called As Above, So Below, in which a um, a girl is attempting to recreate her father's exi- uh, exhibition, I believe, or follow up on her father's findings mm. by exploring the f- Paris un- catacombs. Okay. And creepy things start happening. That's really good in that respect, in as much as the father is mentioned once at the beginning, along with a few other character-motivating tragic instances, and then it doesn't get brought up again in dialogue mm. throughout the film. Weird shit just starts happening that's obviously mm. tying into it. Okay. And that, yeah, it's good to have character motivations told to us, maybe at the beginning, but then just subtly guiding character actions throughout the film. Yeah, you can yeah have it there like a spectre, like a... Yeah divine force or a, or a malevolent force just guide, guiding things but it wasn't it was just there's a woman in a room in Italy and we're not currently there Yeah, where the action is where the, the plot is and my suspicion is 
that if they'd have done that, the film would have ended in 20 minutes. So they, <laughs> they, they, they couldn't think of other scenes to have with her, which is surprising because they missed out things like character building, yeah. uh, plot. Yes. Um, any sort of peril. Yeah. Um, and they could have written, they could have written even bad scenes and at least it would have been put together better. But it wasn't. <laughs> it was just bad. Let's talk about jump scares. Oh. Oh. A jump scare is often seen as a very cheap thing. Uh, Mark Kermode has a thing about it. Yes. Um, which he calls quiet, quiet bang. Uh, which is where everything's really quiet. Well, it's self-explanatory, isn't yeah. it? Quiet, quiet bang. You get the idea. And yes, that is a problem with a lot of horror films. It is, it is cheap. I remember watching Insidious 2 at the cinema. That had some really cheap jump scares in it. And what really defines a cheap jump scare for me is when the music does most of the work. Mm. Like, rather than whatever it is that's happened on screen, it's a sudden sting of the strings that does most of the actual startling. It's startling. That's the thing. It's very easy to startle. It's harder to actually scare people. Um, And I think a good jump scare consists of giving the audience too much information than they are able to deal with in the time you give it to them. So the best jump scares are things like The Exorcist Part 3, um, Legion, which was meant to be a standalone film called Legion, but they were okay. forced to tie it into The Exorcist. Uh, the Descent, Alien. It's where you just show your audience something creepy, mm. and you cut away from it too quick for the audience to really take it in. Uh, consequently, they're forced to connect the dots in their head and fill it with all of the worst things that they can imagine. Mm. And often when you go back, when you go back and look at the things from The Descent... They're not, you know, they're kind of creepy. They've got weird shaped faces, but just showing a glimpse of its face behind one of our characters in one of the most effective jump scare scenes ever Mm. filmed is brilliant. Right, let's do some quick fire good things. Some quick fire good things. Um, Rome is beautiful. Rome is beautiful. (laughs) uh, Rome is a beautiful city. Um, I'd like to spend more time there than I have. Um, It's stunning architecture which mm-hmm. um occasionally managed to creep its way into the background of some of the scenes that weren't actually filmed in romania yeah the the, the ones that were behind um uh fernanda andrade's uh yeah. face <laughs> uh her when her, her good thinking face you'd see the odd uh holy building or bit of the vatican yeah yeah it was the odd basilica that's that's very pleasing uh speaking of pleasing moving on to her her face yes uh, her, her general she was a, a decent actress sure um her and the guy who played david were the great yeah the great um, actors in this i think they they could have they could have utilized her her ease her like her, her resting face a bit better she could have sure. she would have benefited by being directed by nicholas winding refn maybe <laughs> just have, have a couple of really yeah. uncomfortable staring moments um the actress who played the mum is an old uh, british actress who actually was in peter greenaway's uh, the draftsman's contract playing mrs pierpoint hmm. it is said that mr neville is to be invited to the hague aha if i had the wherewithal i would advance mrs herbert 100 guineas straight away for capital audacity for bravura in the face of grief <laughs> Um, which is quite a career progression, I guess, to go from Peter Green away to um, whatever the fuck this guy's name is. A natural one. Yeah, a, a natural. natural we all end up there. Yeah. Oh, you know what she did? She got old. Sorry, you're not meant Irrelevant. to do that, yeah. ladies. Try, yeah. try not to do that if you're going to act. First you're having periods and then you're getting old. God. Oh, Christ, it never ends with you. You're an insult to cinema, females. <laughs> Most of our listening base is uh, female, isn't it? To date, yes. <laughs> to date, um, Moving Hi on. <laughs> um, there were some, 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 some great details, like um, bef- before one of the final 
rubbish jump scares. Um, there was a camera, like a screen on in the background of the priest talking yeah. and with her eyes yes, suddenly open. Yes, I wrote this down, yeah. Um, and, and that was a tiny little nice detail that was quite creepy. There's also the thing about, like, one of the things about good horror is things that you that you didn't see or stuff that plays on your um, fallibility as a um, as a human. Yeah. With your stupid shit eyes. <laughs> that was good. Um, there yep. were some wonderful comedic moments, obviously unintentional, that um, came out of uh, filming with a fixed camera. Yeah. Uh, one of which was uh, a nurse was trying to com- uh, comfort two of the the, the, the priest and the, the, camp, <laughs> the director that everything was fine. And yep. in, just in the background, as she says, everything's fine. A doctor rushes out like leaps out of a door and desperately beckons his colleagues over no, but it, it's, it's actually a little slower than that because first we see a nurse run into yeah. that room all yeah. the while with this chick in the foreground talking about how ever she's going to be okay and this yeah. is the safest place for her it's a very safe place don't worry yeah. she's in the best place a nurse runs into the room then a doctor runs into the room then the doctor's leading out of yeah. the door and is like beckoning yeah, more yeah. people to come in and it's it's it, wonderful which was very good yeah the other moment was uh um, interview footage of the 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 doctor in the mental hospital yeah. interviewing the mother, and uh, out of nowhere she just grabs his big bald head and slams it down onto the desk and just smushes it there for for a couple of seconds until people come in and, and wrestle her off. And it's the fixed camera that makes that fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it it is. Um, and I think the last uh, good thing to talk about is surprisingly the ending. Yes. Um, the you may have actually heard about this film in terms of its ending. There was a huge backlash to the final shot of the movie, uh, which I don't think we'll spoil here, actually. Let's yeah. see if we can go about not talking about okay. the actual mechanics of it. Sure. But it's very abrupt. Yes. Our characters' fates are somewhat left in doubt, or actually pretty definitively concluded, I guess. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Um, it's shocking, I would say, mm-hmm. and effective. I loved the ending to this yeah. film. I made the point earlier that maybe in a different film that ending would have been not very good. Right. It would not have been a very good ending. But for that film, I think it was the best ending that it could have had because I wouldn't have bought anything else. Yeah, sure. I just wouldn't have Happy cared. families, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, playing that film out anymore would have been a bad idea yes but an hour end- and 12 minutes was an hour and 11 <laughs> minutes too too long yeah um and I, I liked the um i liked the the nihilism in this ending right there was something very bleak about it and something yeah. very hey fuck you you're just a human life's meaningless and yeah. uh and i like that in my films yeah um which is why i'm such a big fan of nick cage <laughs> i mean it is a problematic thing to know how to end your horror film a lot of them end badly. A lot of my favorite horror films end badly. Um, I think there was. I think there were three ways you can end a horror film. The first is with a chase. Um, the main bad ga- character finally reveals itself and chases our hero around the place. Uh, most slasher films of the eighties ended this way. Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Shining mm. ends this way with um, Little Danny being chased through a maze, and it's usually pretty dull because it's an action thing. You can't really do a chase in a horror style very well i mean the the typical thing in a slasher movie is to have the person suddenly uncover all of the bodies that have been accumulated throughout the film which have been very carefully arranged by the killer to Mm. flop out of cupboards just as the heroine runs past them yeah which was very considerate of the killer to have done that um you know which offers a few thrills and jumps along the way there are moments of tension you can draw out it's tricky i would argue 
maybe done well in Don't Breathe. Yes. In which the whole film is a chase. Mm. Um, and yet has these exquisite moments of tension and build up and release. So you can do it well, but it's mm. it's not an ideal way of ending a movie, say a haunted house film, where it's all been creepy, dark, yeah. scary moments, and then you just end with a big chase. Second way of ending your horror film is an exorcism, or any variation thereof in which they try to get rid of the evil spirit, and there's a lot of shouting, there's a lot of windows mm. shaking, there's lights blinking, electricity going it. off, confronting yeah. the evil. And again, it's shot like an action sequence. And again, this can be done well. The Exorcist had a wonderful exorcism scene, in spite of all the shouting and shaking and stuff, because it still threw in the odd weird thing. Hmm. Like the scene where Reagan is sort of frantically clawing at the air, and in the background you see the statue that was first discovered in Iraq in the opening credit sequence. It just kind of comes in, the statue of Pazuzu. Hmm. It's really creepy. Um, or there's a moment where Damien Karras looks at the bed and just sees his mother very overlit. Yeah. And it's very eerie. Yeah. So you can do it well. Most films don't. Um the final way and the easiest way to get right is escalation. With escalation, throughout the film you've shown the haunting incidents get worse and worse. And in the final moment you just have the big one. You have the biggest, baddest, scariest one, and it just gets the hero. Paranormal activity is a good example of this. And I'd say this film kind of conforms to the that latter, the escalation. There's a lot of exorcisms in it, mm-hmm. and a lot of those scenes would form the ending sequence of a lot of really bad horror films. Mm. Any one of those exorcisms could have done that. Um, it's unfortunate that they therefore form the meat of this. Yeah. It's like a movie just made of disappointing climaxes to horror films yeah. until its climax, which is good. <laughs> if it's a meat, it's like a billy bear yeah. ham, isn't it? Like a <laughs> lunch ham. Uh, um. Any non-English viewers, that's, <laughs> those are slices of bear face just sold to children. <laughs> Heavily processed bare face. Um, yeah, formed formed our childhoods, which is how we t- turned out to be such well-rounded individuals yeah. now. Those and bird's eye potato waffles. Yeah. Just lay one on the other. Ah. And eat it whole. Thatcherism wasn't all that bad. No, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we took our milk away, but <laughs> the milk just prolonged our but, lives. But gave us processed lunch meats. <laughs> but yeah, I... This, this, this film... Definitely fucking escalated it, and uh, to the point where I think I think maybe I, I don't agree with the backlash. Um, no, uh, I, I think I'm not sure why anybody would want to see the exorcisms resolved. <laughs> um, Points for trying, because a lot of people said this represented them not trying. Yeah, I think it's a pretty sound resolution. It was the most exciting scene in the film. Sure, absolutely. Um, I'd say everything that happens from the point where. One of the priests tries to drown a baby, a baby who happens to be called John Thomas. Yes. After David sticks his John Thomas in the holy font for a little too long. Sorry, American fans. Sorry, guys. Um, Everything that happens after that is quite good, because after that you have the ending of David's story, so to say. um, The trip to the hospital, the hilarious scene in the hospital. A fantastic line from our particular British priest. Listen to me, I'm a priest. And then the ending. Yeah. So the last, that is the last ten minutes of the film, I mm. think. And is that because they put the focus on Isabella a bit more? Because Maybe. it becomes more about. Um... Well, there were no exorcisms in it. <laughs> oh, you're right. This film's garbage. <laughs> um, but but yeah, the focus was on the focus was on her and all the stuff happening to her, and because she was yeah. a fairly capable actor, yeah, um, that was quite good and exciting, yeah. and um, and I kind of went, oh, let's see how Ooh. this goes. 
And uh, yeah, I think, oh, it's not necessarily the, the right reaction you have to a horror film, no. um, but it was to this one. Yeah. And it was the one that I was hoping for come the end. Yeah. Um, I think that'll just about do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for listening f- to One Good Thing, everyone, as we discuss the whole horror genre. <laughs> uh, I hope we don't review another horror film or I have run out of things to say about it. <laughs> um, well, we'll have to review a film that's longer than one hour and 12 minutes long. Oh, uh, really? Do we? Mm. It's work for me. I mean, I can go get lunch now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for listening to One Good Thing. Thanks to everyone who's been listening to us, uh, who's been tweeting at us and giving great feedback. Um, For everyone else, you can find us uh, on Facebook and Twitter at OGT Pod, where there'll be updates, um, ice cream themed film reviews, and uh, sound bites. So if you want to tell a friend, but you don't really want to have to speak to them, you can just link them to the sound bite and say, check this out, loser. Um, (laughs) I'm assuming you have terrible friends. I have no friends, Paul, uh, okay. believe it or not. Um, so, yeah, there's our contact info if you have any recommendations or challenges, as uh, I suppose they should be uh, thought of. Get in touch. Uh, we're here every Tuesday until the uh, merciful apocalypse when I will drag every single one of you down with me. The merciful release of death. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. It just became a moment. Um, if you'd like to. Um see any more of my work please uh, check out nerds get bored at wordpress you can check me out at life worth living at wordpress um we are also going to be working on an ogt pod blog um yep. in the coming weeks so there'll be that to check out as well we'll be uh, charting our gradual mental um the deterioration of our mental state as we continue on this podcast yeah and hopefully leave something insightful along the or way funny at least yeah okay i'm paul salt i'm paul goodman and remember the one good thing about the t- what is this fucking film called? <laughs> the Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> I was going for the inside out. Remember, the one good thing about the devil inside is that bit where they all drive off a bridge. Oh, spoilers. <laughs>